Have you ever, ever felt like you're failing as a parent, you know, like you're doing a crappy job, like you're a failure, like you just do everything, everything wrong? If that is ever the case, this is the episode for you, because today I'm going to answer a question that I found online, and we're going to talk about guilt, shame, feeling like a shitty parent and how to resolve all this. So let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Apparently Parent Podcast. My name is Iran Katz and I'm a clinical psychologist, a parenting counselor and also a father. In this show, we combine the art of parenting with the science of psychology. So if you want to understand your children and yourself better, lead your family into calmer waters and reach the end of the day with a smile on your face, You've come to the right place. I'm your host, Iran Katz. All right, all right. Welcome. Welcome to the 35th episode of the Apparently Parent podcast. I'm really happy that you have joined me today because we have something very, very important to talk about today. And as I alluded to in the intro... We're going to talk about um, shame and we're going to talk about guilt. We're going to talk about feeling like crappy parents. Now, wherever you are, if you be so kind, please raise your hand. I know I can't see you, but just between you and I, raise your hand if you ever, ever felt like you're doing a crappy job as a parent. Okay, I'm raising my head right now. Believe you me, I'm raising my head because, you know, a parenting podcaster, a parenting counselor, a psychologist, I'm not flawless, okay? I have never been flawless and I will never be flawless. I will keep being a not perfect parent. Now, in the second episode of this podcast, I talked about being a perfect parent and how this is a concept that is so wrong, actually, because there's no such thing as being perfect in parenting. If you strive for perfection, you're missing a lot and you're probably doing doing whatever you don't need to do, you're doing too much, or you're doing too little of what you do need to do, which is to, to be authentic with your children, to be, to be kind towards yourself and towards them, okay? And be your best parenting self, which is not perfect, which is not 100% perfect. So let me tell you why this issue actually came up to me. I was uh, looking uh, over Facebook and, you know, there are many groups and places where people ask questions and I, I saw a question submitted by, by one parent. And this parent, she was a mother and she talked about how she, she feels like she's not the best kind of parent and she wants to be the best and she wants to, to do a better job, but she feels like a failure. Now, I, I didn't want to just copy and paste her question and so I, I just rewrote it uh, in my own words but it gives the same the same vibe the same same kind of uh, feeling okay so i'm going to read it to you and then i'm going to talk about uh, those feelings and what what you can do about it because i'm sure that as you listen to uh, the following question you're going to find that it resonates with you i'm sure that you're going to identify with it on some level okay so what this person wrote was something like this hey guys i want to know what is the best way to be a parent I want to be the best that I can be, but right now I just feel like I'm failing and failing. And this is because I just shout too much. I have a short fuse and it always leads me to feel huge waves of guilt. Can you please tell me what to do? 
Okay, so th this is this is the question. Again, I rephrased it, I changed it up a little bit, but this is the same uh, resonation, the same vibe. So, as I said, do you resonate with it? Is there something in it that touches you? Because I know I have some of those uh, notions inside of me as well. Sometimes, and you know, especially these times when we are in lockdowns and we're spending all this time with our children, wonderful as they are. And I just want to add that there is a lot of good things that are coming up from staying uh, with our children so much. I, I, I feel that the connection, for example, between my two kids who are four years apart has grown so much. Their bond has grown so much that that's, it, it's amazing. However, it does lead to some difficult situations where uh, stress is boiling up. And then I feel within myself that I'm getting too angry. Right before recording this podcast, I had a little breakdown, not a huge one, but a little breakdown, and I had to take a step back. All right? So it happens to all of us and to the best of us. And this is something that I wanted to uh, start with, that it's okay that it happens to you. Because, you know, no one ever taught you otherwise. As you know, I, I like to think about parenting like being the captain of a ship. When you had your first child, and then when your other children were added to the mix, if you have more than one child, it's like you were giving a ship that it's up to you to bring into safety, to navigate through waters. You are the captain of the ship, whether you like it or not. And the problem is that no one ever taught you how to do so. The only education about being a captain of a ship that you got is probably from your own parents when you grew up on their ship. So even if they were the best of parents, you still didn't learn everything. No one ever sat with you and told you, look, this is how a ship runs. This is the mast. This is, I, I don't know any <laughs> shipping terms, but this is how it works. And when you, when, when you have a, a night with no stars, this is how you navigate. And when there's a storm in the horizon, this is what you do. Okay, and if you find yourself, uh, I don't know, in front of pirate ships, this is what you do. All right, and if your crew is arranging a mutiny against you, this is what you do. No one ever taught you how to do that. Okay, there's no, you know, one playbook that that was written for that and was given to you as your child was born. Am I correct? So. I wanted to start with that because it's okay that you don't know what to do. It's okay that you feel like you're failing because you don't know how to handle those big emotions. As a psychologist, I see this all the time with my clients, with my adult clients as well. When they were children, when they were little, no one ever taught them how to handle big emotions. And anger is one of those emotions. So this parent who wrote this question, okay, if I'm speaking to you right now, you're feeling angry, you have a short fuse and you shout all the time. Okay, maybe not all the time, but too much. This is because you're A, stressed up, because let's face it, this is uh, October 2020, we're um, having a global pandemic for the last, I don't know, what is it already, seven months, okay, with a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty. I don't know the specific situation you guys are in, but here where I live, we're now in, in the third week of a second lockdown. So it, it's stressful for everybody. So, you know, you can cut yourself some, some slack. And we're going to talk about how you can cut yourself some slack 
in a minute, okay? But first and foremost, it's okay to be stressful. And it's okay to be angry because no matter how wonderful, cute, and smart your children are, they sometimes do things that make you angry because that's how they are, because they are children. They don't think about the consequences of their own action sometimes. They don't have the brain capacity to do, to do so. They are egocentric, and that's fine. That's part of their uh, development. That's part of being a child. You were like that 20, 30, 40 years ago, and now your children are. That's part of being a parent and being children. That's part of it, okay? And anger, when you're feeling angry, I want you to know that anger is one of the universal emotions that every human being experiences and even not human beings. Every every creature on the planet, every living creature, you know, every mammal. I don't know about birds. I don't know about insects. I'm not an expert on animal behavior. But anger is one of those universal emotions. If you ever seen the movie Inside Out, which is one of the best movies ever, at least from a psychology perspective. So if you seen that movie, you know that there are five emotions represented in that movie. Anger, fear, disgust, and happiness, and sadness. So anger is one of those universal emotions. And you should not berate yourself or judge yourself for ever feeling angry. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that you should be angry all the time, and I'm not saying that you should express your anger by yelling and shouting or whatever you do all the time. There's a big difference between feeling an emotion and expressing that emotion. And again, I'm not saying that you should not express your anger, because sometimes anger is something appropriate to be expressed. Sometimes you should express your anger. But the question is, how you express your anger? If you're going into sprees uh, or fits of yelling and shouting and acting crazy, that's probably not helpful. Okay, but there are some other ways you should express your anger. Now, again, it's okay to be mad. And, and even even if you do, show your anger in a way that doesn't align with your values, with your purpose, in a way that doesn't make you feel comfortable and you feel guilty afterwards. You can always, and and I want you to really listen to this closely because it's really important, you can always, after the fact, fix what happened. This is what it means to be a responsible parent, a responsible attachment figure. You can always assume the bigger, wiser position. The bigger and wiser position in the relationship between you and your children. And this is your responsibility to do so. Never expect your child to do so instead of you. Okay? Between you and your spouse, it's okay to shift roles. Sometimes you are the attachment figure consoling and, and taking responsibility and sometimes your spouse may be taking that part. But between you and your child, it's up to you to assume the bigger and wiser position and take responsibility and to talk things through. Okay? You lost your temper. Okay. Step aside. We're going to talk about how you can do so. Step aside, calm yourself down and then come back and talk about what happened. Take responsibility. 
Now, one of the most important things that I want to talk about in this episode is the concept of self-compassion. Earlier, I said you should cut yourself some slack. Now, let's talk about how you cut yourself some slack. And this is achieved by practicing self-compassion. What does it mean to be in a state of self-compassion? So, being compassionate, feeling compassion, means that you are sensitive to the pain and the suffering of another being. It can be another human being, like your child, like your spouse, like your mom, like your co-workers, whatever. It can be a stranger to you. You can, you can, you know, sometimes you see a, a story on the news of someone whose life, you know, gone astray and something really bad happened to them and you feel compassionate towards them. You can also be compassionate towards non-human beings, for example, towards animals. Have you ever seen a sick dog in the street, for example, and, and felt, you know, compassionate towards that? Maybe try to help. Um, you know, a lot of people who choose to, to refrain from eating animal products, for example, are doing so out of compassion towards animals. So being in a compassionate state means you're sensitive to the pain and suffering of another being. And also that you have a desire. It's an innate desire to help that person. Now, we all have this in us. One of the fundamental psychological systems that we have in our wired in our brains is the caregiving system. And I know that you feel that because you are a parent yourself, probably if you're listening to this show, yeah? So do you, do you ever feel this want, this need to, to help your child, to take care of your child? This is something that you may not think about, but it's always there, or most of the time it's there. This is the caregiving system in your, in your psyche. So being compassionate comes from that. But we're talking about being self-compassionate. So being self-compassionate, exercising self-compassion just means doing the same. You know, being sensitive to the pain and suffering of another being and wanting to help that being, but directed towards yourself. The other being is just you. Now, there are many studies done about this concept of compassion and self-compassion, and it has been shown that practicing self-compassion can reduce self-criticism in people. It can increase your self-worth. And quite opposed to, to a common belief, it's not about being absorbed in yourself. It's not about only thinking about yourself and not thinking about anybody else. Quite the contrary, actually. The practice of compassion, both compassion towards other people and also towards yourself actually activates specific brain regions that are involved with connections between you and the environment, between you and other people, brain regions that are involved with positive emotions and, and a sense of feeling re reward. So it's actually about feeling good about yourself, okay? And it has been shown that people who are long-term practitioners of what is known as loving-kindness meditation, which is a specific kind of meditation where you focus your intention on love and kindness towards yourself and towards others. 
Okay, so long-term practitioners of that, they develop similar neurological reactions when they see the faces of other people, strangers, and they, when they see their own face. What does it mean? It simply means that they have a bigger sense of being part of a society and that other people are just like them. So they are more ingrained in humanity, in being part of the whole. And those people are also, um, they, they have a bigger connectivity in the brain tissues of specific parts of the brain that support empathy. So all of that little neurological turn was to say that the practice of compassion, compassionate meditation and self-compassion really activates specific parts in your brain and it really um, it teaches your brain, it enhances your brain in those places that um, are involved in empathy towards other and towards yourself in positive emotion and a sense of reward which is actually you know feeling good and who doesn't want to do that right and a nice way to think about compassion is is thinking about chocolate what is the best chocolate experience now i hope you would agree with me but the best chocolate is the bittersweet kind okay not the overly sweetened kind from our childhood but the bittersweet kind, you know, where there are, there's a high percentage of cocoa in, in, in the chocolate, but it's not too much. It's not too bitter. It's not, not like the 90% types. I, I like the 70-80%. So the pain is bitter. There's nothing to do about it. It's not, nowhere to go around that. Pain is bitter. But caring is sweet. And all we want to do with the practice of compassion is we want to extend the sweetness by focusing on those places in ourselves, on the caring aspects of ourselves. So how do we do that? There are many, many ways to practice self-compassion. And it's first and foremost, it's about the intention. Okay, so if I go back to the problem, to, to the presented problem, we are talking about parents who feel guilty and, and sometimes even ashamed because they are too angry or, or yelling too much and they lose them temper or they have a short fuse or call it whatever you want to call it, okay? Now, there are things to be done about um, lowering the volume of the anger reaction. But before that, I want to move you into a place of being more compassionate towards yourself that it really happens to you. Because when it happens to you, when you lose your temper, and you're gonna lose your temper because it happens to everybody, you can either go into a place of self-judgment and hate yourself for that, or you can go to a place of feeling compassionate towards yourself. And if you always go to the place of anger, towards yourself, I mean, of self-judgment, of saying to yourself, damn, I did it again, what a shitty parent I am. I'm a crappy dad for yelling at my, at my children. I'm the worst mom in the planet because I just shouted at my children for no really good reason. If you always go to those places, you are stuck. Your ship cannot move forward to where you want to go, which is a place of harmony. Okay, I talk about the parenting map, which is what can help you go from chaos to harmony with the powers of purpose and attachment and mindfulness. You want to enhance the attachment 
a connection, the secure attachment connection between you and your children, even when you're angry, and you do so by first remembering your purpose, which is whatever your purpose is as a parent. For me, it's about being really present with my children as much as possible and always letting them know they can, are, they can feel secure and safe with me no matter what, even when I'm angry. And I had to work on that. But today it's almost automatic for me not to be not angry. I do get angry and I do shout. But I, as soon as possible, remember to always tell them and show them with my actions that I love them no matter what. That even when I'm angry with them, and you know, sometimes I have reasons to be angry with them, okay? Even when I'm angry, even when I'm yelling, I always love them. And I say that. Sometimes I say that immediately after shouting at them. I'm just reminding that to them. And I know it sounds weird, okay? Because, you know, I just thought about that it may sound like the, the violent man in a, in a relationship who beats his wife up while telling her that he loves her. That's not the same thing. This is not where I'm going to. The place I'm going to is, is the place where I tell my children that it's okay to be angry. It doesn't mean that the connection is severed. It doesn't mean that there's a break and disconnection between us. I am your dad even when I'm angry. I will always be your dad. I will always love you and care the most for you. So, that was a segue. Now the question is, how do you actually become more compassionate? First towards yourself, and, and, and then you can even more move into a place of compassion towards other people, like your children, or your spouse, or whatever. So there are different kinds of practices that you can do, different kinds of exercises that you can do, and I, I really encourage you to, to check what works for you, and try to implement it, okay? During your days, once a day, twice a day, whatever works for you. So the first thing that you can do is to do this exercise. And this is a good journaling exercise. So find yourself some time to journal about that, okay? Take a fresh piece of paper. If you have a journaling notebook, all the better. You can open up a note on your phone, whatever works for you. You can record it, whatever works for you. The purpose is to, to get it out of your mind. So first of all, think about uh, a situation similar to your own. Okay, so take an example of one of the last times that you lost your temper and you yelled on your kids and you felt crappy about it. Okay, now imagine that you sit with one of your best friends over coffee or a glass of wine uh, or over Zoom because we are socially distancing and your friend tells you about what happened as if it happened to her or him. Now think, how would you respond to your friend in that situation? Especially when you are at your best, okay? So you're feeling energetic and you're feeling fine and you're really present with your friend. How would you respond to your friend telling you the same story? Write that down. What would you tell your friend? Okay? Would you... Now, think about it. Would you judge your friend? Would you tell your friend that he or she is a crappy parent? 
or maybe you would react and you probably would react differently. Okay, so write that down. Now the second question is how do you typically respond to yourself in this situation? Think about that and be honest with yourself. Think about how do you typically respond to yourself in these situations and write that down. Everything, the good and the bad, self-judgment, self-berating thoughts, um, even the good stuff. Maybe you have some good stuff that you say to yourself, okay? Now, do you notice a difference between what you wrote in the first question about how you would re respond to your friend and the second one, how do you respond to yourself? Do you notice a difference? Now, if so, why? Why is there a difference? Ask yourself that question. Try to think it over. Try to journal about that. What thoughts or, or fears or, or beliefs come into play that lead you to treat your friends so differently than you do yourself? More importantly, to treat yourself differently than you treat your friends, okay? And, and as you think about that, as you write about that, maybe you notice that you have new ideas about what you can change about your own responses and your reactions towards yourself. And now, one of the most important questions is that I want you to journal about is what might change if you responded to yourself in the same way that you typically respond to your best friend? If you would exercise the same response toward yourself what would change for you? Okay, so this is something that you can uh, try to think about and, and I really encourage you to, to try and journal about it because when you, when you put things into writing, more thoughts and feelings tend to come out if you give it time and it tends to work best when you do so. So I really encourage you to, to, to clear yourself a couple of minutes and, 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 and do that. Now I want to show you a, a different kind of exercise and this is an exercise um, I learned it from a psychologist or a psychology researcher her, her name is Christine Neff and she is probably the, the leading researcher in the world about compassion and, and self-compassion and this is uh, something she offers and it's called self-compassion break. I don't know if she originated it, but I learned it from her. So, how do you do a self-compassion break? Now, this is not an easy exercise, but it's really powerful. So, first, you have to think about a situation in your life that is causing you stress or pain. I know this is not something you want to think about, but we are here to move forward, and we can't move forward if we don't look at the bad stuff. So think about a situation in your own parenting that is causing you stress or pain, like when you yell too much, for example. Now, I want you to sit with it. Imagine the situation. Remember that and, and really see how it makes you feel, both emotionally, so you feel angry, you feel sad, you feel frustrated, you feel whatever you feel, and both physically. What kind of physical sensation come up for you? And now I want you to say to yourself this. And really, you know, you can say it out loud and you can say it, you know, just between you and yourself in your heart. But with intention, tell yourself, this is a moment of suffering. 
or this is a moment of hurt. This is a moment of suffering. This is a moment of hurt. This is a moment of pain. Now, why do we need to say that? Because this is about bringing mindfulness into that specific moment. And moment is a crucial and important word because everything is temporal. When you feel like you're the crappiest parent of all times, bad feelings tend to color all your experience. And it seems endless. But everything is temporary. So I want you to remember that by using the word this is a, the word moment. This is a moment of pain. Now the second thing I want you to say to yourself is suffering or pain is part of the human life. It's part of everyone's life. Or you can even say something like, I'm not alone in this. And sometimes it helps to, you know, put a compassionate, warm hand over your heart or whatever feels good for you. And yeah, it may sound like a woo-woo kind of thing, but you won't know until you try. And then I want you to say to yourself, may I be kind to myself. May I be kind to myself. I deserve to be kind to myself. This is a self-compassion break. And this is not something you do in the middle of the day when you get angry with your kids. It's not about taking yourself to the side and calming down. You can talk about how to do that. This is something you can do, you know, right before you go to sleep, for example. Okay, do so every day. In the next week, every day before you go to sleep, do this self-compassion break and let me know how it feels for you. You can reach out to me on my Instagram at apparentlyparent. DM me, I answer everyone, and I love to get those um, reactions. I love to hear from you. So I would really appreciate that if you do so. Okay, so those were two self-compassion exercises that you can, you can do. There are more. Okay, and if you want to learn more about that, um, you can go to uh, the show notes of this episode at apparentlyparent.com forward slash 35. Okay, the number 35. And I will put some more resources for you. And I will uh, put um, a PDF that you can download for free. And you can download from there with some more exercises that you can engage with. All right. And the last thing I wanted to offer is what can you do in the middle of the storm? Because self-compassion is something that you should and can practice on a daily basis, but not just in the middle of everything, not just when, you know, you're really angry. So again, we started with, you know, what to do, uh, what do I do when I, I feel like I'm losing my mind, I'm losing my temper, I'm, I'm too angry, I'm yelling too much, etc. Okay, so in those situations, sometimes the best thing you can do when you catch yourself doing so is A, slow down, okay? Be a little bit self-compassionate towards yourself. Don't judge yourself as much as possible because when you're angry, you know, all those hormones and, and anger, it's in the system, okay? So you may move the anger towards yourself by, you know, telling yourself how, how crappy you are, okay? So try not to do so if you, if you can. But then I want you to move away, 
Okay, maybe you should go to another room. Now, sometimes this, this is not an option. Maybe you have, maybe you're alone with the kids and there's no other adult in the area. Maybe they are too uh, little to be left alone for a couple of minutes, okay? So try to move away, you know, a little, a couple of steps to the side and to the back and and still keeping an eye on, on your children if you need so. If you can move to another room, do so. Do that, all right? And And then what I want you to do is to try to regulate your own emotions. Try to calm your nervous system down. Because in those situations, your nervous system is really activated. And I want you to try and calm it down. And you can do so by doing some simple, simple breathing exercises. Okay? Like like belly breathing. And I'm not going to teach you how to do so now. You can find information uh, in the show notes. Apparentlyparent.com forward slash 35. All right? Um, there are many, many ways that you can learn how to um, relax yourself through breathing. But even if it, you know, it's not in your mind at that moment because you're angry, that's okay. I want you to work from the body, not from your mind because your mind is caught up in the anger. I want you to calm your mind through the body but using belly breathing, which is also known as diaphragmatic breathing. It's a specific way of breathing that really takes the nervous system and, and flips it on its side and moving it, moving it from the place of um, fight or flight reaction into a place of being calmer, regulating down, moving away from what to uh, all right, and 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 then as you feel your anger soothing and going down, it doesn't change the situation because the situation may still be anger provoking. Maybe your child just. I don't know, drew all over the the wall. So it's okay to be angry about that. The situation didn't change, but your reaction can change. You move away from to, okay, I'm calmer now. Now I can take care of things. I'm not a crazy parent anymore. I can take care of things. I am the captain of this ship. I know what to do. I'm confident and I'm going to take care of things. We're going to clean this up. Okay, I, maybe there's going to be some kind of consequence for, for the action, but it doesn't come from the place of anger and craziness and fear. It comes from another place. And this makes all the difference. So if you want to learn more about how, how to calm down in, in the middle of, of things, let me know. Okay, really, I can do a, a whole episode on that. Just let me know. I want you to reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, at apparently parent okay follow me and write to me in the dms i will answer each and every one of you if you have more questions you can do so as well or or and you can join my facebook group it's called navigating parenting raising secure and confident children you can find it if you go to apparentlyparent.com forward slash facebook all right and you can let me know over there that you want to learn about regulation techniques and and calming yourself down in the middle of you know being a crazy parent all right and so i think that is a good place to finish this this episode i don't want to take too much of your time because i know you're busy we all are so this is a good place to finish if you have found this helpful 
to you, please let me know and please share it with your friends. Over social media, over email, whatever you do, that's fine. Just send it to your friends, let them know that this can help them. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to this show on your favorite podcasting platform. So this is how you get uh, episodes delivered straight to your phone every Thursday. You will not miss a thing. And I will see you again in the next episode, which is going to be up next week. Again, every Thursday, I'm here with you guys talking about parenting, psychology, and the in-between, which is usually coffee. See you there. Bye-bye.